This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. The following podcast is equivalent to a TVMA rating thanks to the author's strong and frequent use of adult language and graphic recollection of her sexual escapades. We strongly advise listening alone or with an extremely open-minded, politically incorrect companion, such as a gay bestie. Welcome to another all-new bonus episode of How Bitches Are Made. I'm your host, Rachel Melvin. Thank you all for joining me again this week. I'm excited to be back, and I'm exceptionally excited to be back with this particular episode because we are turning the corner on our discussion a little bit and going into more uplifting and positive topic episodes. This week, we're talking about joy, and um, that's just a really fun topic to talk about, and I'm really excited to tell you all what I've learned about it and how I've been implementing it into my life. So without further ado, here is this week's piece. We'll come back and talk about it, and I do want to give you the little disclaimer, which isn't so much a disclaimer, just a fun fact. This is actually... A real journal entry of mine. So this is not something I wrote for the show. It's just something I happened to write that I wanted to use for the show. So it is very private that I'm deciding to share this with you. But I am doing so because I remember when I was writing it, I kind of had this epiphany. And I think it's a really, a really good epiphany to share with all of you. So enjoy. What we really miss is happiness. That's what we mourn during loss. The moments that brought us joy. People, places, pets, cities, structures, shops. The moments that could have been, if any or all of those were still present. But is happiness ever really lost? Maybe it's just misplaced or dislodged or in hibernation. Perhaps like the butterfly emerging from the cocoon, we just need periods of incubation so we aren't spoiled. So we don't take for granted these extreme highs to the point of failing to recognize them at all. There is so much I miss. The highs I got from acting. The family, the perks, the money, the attention. It all gave me pride, purpose, validation. It cultivated a beautiful, exciting, and fairly easy life. Do I wish I would have reveled in it more? Hell yes. I wish I would have invested my money better, or at all, used my public image to my advantage in a wider scope of goals I had, explored the world better, and spent more time being present. Do I miss acting? I miss those magical moments of connection and the safety of being able to emote freely. I miss being made up to feel like Barbie, I miss fancy restaurants and interesting people with interesting conversations. I miss editing scripts and 
often rewriting them. I miss walking my dogs in lush greenery in the city and seeing them play at the park. I miss the way Murph looked at me, seeing him by my side like a shadow, dancing with me in the kitchen, and watching TV with me in the living room. I miss holding his paw as we fell asleep together in bed. I miss looking at the stars from the trampoline with my dad when I was a kid. I miss looking at the clouds and comparing them to the ruffles we ate on our front lawn when I was an even smaller kid. I miss my mom laying out in her tanning oil or watching her make art with her oil pastels. I miss cooking with my grandma, visiting my Aunt Jackie in Chicago. I miss my cousin Tracy's filthy mouth. I miss goodwill shopping on Beverly and depositing my residual checks at the bank across the street. All of these moments I miss because I'm currently unhappy, and to me, they all represent joy. I yearn for joy, and more specifically, what brings it to me. I draw comparisons to things brought into question which makes me further lament about what is gone forever. I cannot go back in time outside of a memory, but I also cannot let a memory lock me out of my future. What brings me joy now? What makes me happy now? What makes me present? And what will I look back to in the future that I'm so blatantly oblivious to now? All Things Home. The Magnolia Journal. Beauty. Art. Writing. My body. My closet. My car. Finn. Kevin. My mom and dad. My sister Jessica. My niece and nephew. My rental property. My residential property. My wedding. Dance. The desert, as it is now. My proximity to Los Angeles. Freedom. Time. I never thought I'd be saying this, but something else I might add to that list is the wind. I don't know if you could hear it in that reading. It's actually a really, really beautiful day out. Um, I don't mind the wind in the summer because, understandably, it makes it a lot more cool than it would be otherwise. Um, but it's a really beautiful breeze today. And as I was reading that, I was like, this wind is really doing something for me. <laughs> so let's go ahead and add that to the list, which is hilarious, considering I feel like every week I acknowledge the wind and it's usually in a way where I'm complaining. Which is how we're going to start off talking about this piece. So when I sat down to journal this that morning that I did it, I was really sad. I think I woke up having had another dream about my grandmother and my dog where I, I often, sorry to be TMI, but I, I noticed that whenever I'm going through my feminine cycle, there'll be like a week of depression that I, I undergo that usually is... The inciting incident for it or kind of the kickoff is usually a memory or a dream of my grandma or Murphy or both of them. And I believe that this was kind of <laughs> that period in time. And I sat down to kind of write about how sad I was. And almost right out the gate, I realized that the reason I was sad is because I was missing things. And then that kind of sparked this curiosity within me to explore the idea of missing something and what that really truly represents within us. You can never replace people. Sometimes you can't replace things. But really what we can't replace is the time that we have with things. And again, this has kind of been like 
an underlying theme almost in every episode really at the crux of it it's that we're we're never really allowing ourselves to be truly present to where we can soak in these moments enough to feel fulfilled to where we're able to sort of avoid regret or lamenting upon them in the future in a way that isn't self-serving although I would argue In this case, it was because of the revelation that it led me to have. But most of the times we think back to these moments that we miss and we're mourning them and it's kind of compounded by this feeling of guilt for not taking advantage of what we had when we had it. And we sort of beat ourselves up about it. And then we vow to be different. And of course, our human tendencies take over and work takes over and life happens. And we sort of forget these really big poignant lessons. It's really hard to constantly stay on top of them and remind them. And to be honest, I would almost say you have to have nothing else going on in life to do it successfully because it requires that much focus and time and training. But As I continued to write, I realized, okay, I might be missing all these moments and I can't get them back. I can try to replicate them. That almost never works because it causes us to be comparative, which almost always ensures that we're not satisfied and disappointed because things don't live up to our expectations, which we've talked about expectations many times before here. But the one thing that we can do is apply the lessons of our past to the future and try to create new memories, new joy, new moments of happiness that we can revel in in the present and be present for so that in the future we can look back and feel like we corrected that behavior that so often we carry with us for our entire lives and it causes so much sadness. And oftentimes anxiety, just the whole gambit of negative feelings that we don't like sitting with, right? But that doesn't mean that these negative feelings don't serve a purpose. We just have to recognize what that purpose is and work with it and apply it in a way that, to be honest with you, they were given to us to use. We just so often don't look at it under that microscope we look at oh god another bad thing happened to me oh of course this is happening I'm so sad why am I sad I just wish I could be happy and we're focusing on the result of things we want to get out of the uncomfortable sea we feel we're drowning in and get to the good parts but it's really hard to do if you're not swimming in the water and then you know getting out of the pool so to speak and drying off and Whatever. This might not be a great metaphor. I don't know. <laughs> but you get what what my point is here. So the things I wanted to talk about specifically, it doesn't sound like we're talking about joy this week so far, but we are. Because what happened in this journal entry as I wrote it was I started thinking about these moments that brought me joy. And what specifically about them was joyful. So I do have this very vivid memory of me and my dad. My dad used to be a delivery driver for FedEx and or Federal Express at that time. And he would always come home for lunch. And so his delivery truck would be parked in front of us and I would get into his truck and play with all of the stickers and labels and put them all up. <laughs> stickers. I love that I called. There you have it. I call them stickers because that's what I thought of them as when I was a child. So I would, I would take all the labels off his rolls and I would use them as stickers and put them all over my body and he'd get so mad at me. 
And then he and I would lay on the grass in our front yard and we would eat ruffles and we'd compare them to the clouds in the sky and say, oh, this one looks like that cloud and they look like boats or whatever. And when I thought about that, it was, I really miss spending time with my dad. It wasn't, I miss laying in the grass and being outdoors, which which could be the case for some people. Maybe that's what that memory would represent to someone else. But for me, it was about spending quality time with my dad and specifically quality time that entailed creativity or wonder because I also reference a memory of lying on the trampoline that we had um, at our home in Phoenix and looking at the stars in the desert and he would point out all the different constellations and that memory was kind of blanketed with this idea of wonder like what else is out there in this grand big universe of ours and he and I would talk about that so I can't go back and make myself young and it would be a little weird for me and my dad to go lay out on a trampoline. I don't even know if he could get up on a trampoline at this point, but uh, no offense, dad. The point is I can take from that memory what it represented to me in the joyful way, which is that quality time with my dad being creative or exploring wonder. And I can do things with him like that now that are different and unique to where we're at in our lives currently. The emphasis really is on I want to spend more time with my dad. And when I talk about my mom watching her do oil pastels, that for me symbolizes I miss seeing my mom in a state of joy. I don't feel like I've witnessed my mom being joyful for a very long time. And I know she found that through music and art. And so I, for her birthdays and things, I try to gift her things that would invoke the artist within her to come out and set aside time to revel in that side of her embellish that side of her that she's kind of neglected because seeing her do that seeing her in that state of joy brings me joy similar to how I'm sure a mother would feel seeing her child happy it's the same thing so I really went through when I made this list and I dissected what each of the things, the items on the list represented to me. And I was like, that's, those are the things that I need in my life more. It's not about, because to be honest with you, this came from missing Los Angeles and wanting to go back to Los Angeles. And mind you, I'm very aware that when I lived in Los Angeles, all I did was complain about it, truly, because I was operating there from a place of lack. I wanted more jobs. I wanted more opportunity. I wanted more money. I wanted more stability. I wanted all these things. And I was always focused on the next best thing. But now when I look back, I realize, oh my God, you are so stupid. You had, you had the best of what LA life could have been. And I did. I really did. And I'm not saying that to be braggadocious. I'm saying that just because it's fact. I lived in the best part of Los Angeles that people would die to live in. I had the most awesome apartment. I had cool dogs. I had great relationships and friends and neighbors. Like I fucking had it all. And to top it all off, I had it all because of my money as an actor. Like I made it as an actor. But at the time, I didn't feel like I made it at all. Because to me, making it was, you know, being Julia Roberts status, which I clearly was and am not. But in focusing on what I wasn't, I, I missed reveling and appreciating to the fullest capacity what I could and should have when I had it all. So now I'm looking back at Los Angeles and this show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. 
Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Missing all of these things. But then I had this awareness where I don't want in 10 to 20 years, I don't know where the hell I'm going to be, to look back at my time in the desert and be like, oh my God, you moron, you had all these things and you didn't soak it up and you didn't. It, it all really comes back to gratitude, if we're being honest. And so I thought, what is the most immediate an obvious thing that I can do to cultivate joy and gratitude right now? What would make me feel better that's within my control that would make me immediately appreciate being here? And when I go down this list, it's very easy. I'm just going to go down this list with you guys because I think it might be helpful. So all things home. Right now, I do have the luxury of time, which is the very last item on this list. But that time has afforded me freedom, which is the second to last item, to do these things that for years I've always wanted to delve into that I never did, which is all things home. Cooking, decorating, design, landscaping, gardening, I don't know how many of you listening to this podcast have been following my career from the very, very beginning, but literally my very first interview I ever did was for Soap Opera Digest, and I talked about wanting to be the next Martha Stewart, and I did. I really did. I always wanted to go to school for interior design. I loved do-it-yourself crafting projects, hobbies, what have you. I was always changing. I always had themes for my bedrooms and I was always changing the themes. It drove my parents nuts, I'm sure. And then even when I was working on Sleepy Hollow, a lot of the actors, because we didn't know if the next season would get picked up, we didn't want to full on move and make our home in Atlanta where we filmed. So we got apartments and a lot of people furnished their apartment with things they found on Craigslist or offer up now, I think it's called our marketplace or whatever. I went out and bought all new dishes from Crate and Barrel, Anthropology, and one of my co-stars was like, why are you wasting your money on really expensive home goods? And at the time I was like, because to me, I plan to have them forever. It was an investment. But also, those are the things that bring me joy. Like pulling out a plate and putting whatever I'm cooking for dinner on that plate. Every time I see that plate, it brings me joy. I can't explain it. I realize to some people it's just a fucking white plate. But for me, it's it's amazing. It's stone and it was oven baked and it it's imperfect, which makes it perfect. And I, I'm just, I love the nuance of the plates. No two look the same. I love that. I don't know why I'm like still protesting why I spent my money on that. But the point is, it was always there for me. I just didn't always recognize that it was such a passion of mine. So now I've recognized it and I'm really exploring it and I'm taking the time to do everything and anything that I want to do when it comes to home. 
which led to item two, Magnolia Journal. I fucking love that journal. It makes me feel good. I feel like Joanna Gaines is doing everything that I wanted to do when I was younger. She's working in the hospitality business. She's got a TV show. She has an interior design business. I mean, she has so many things. She's designing products like unique colors with KitchenAid mixers. She's got a magazine. She's writing. She's literally doing all of the things that I love. All my hobbies are in one thing in that journal. And it does just bring me so much happiness. And not even that. It's the quality of the fucking journal. The pages. They're such great quality pages. It's so stupid, but I find joy in that. I'm realizing how my my subconscious works as I write or my consciousness works as I write. I guess this is a little bit of both, if I'm being honest, because for those of you that journal, you know, you really go into like this kind of Zen state. Beauty. Like I, I love making things beautiful. That's why I like fixing up furniture and giving things new purpose, making them look new again, not giving up on something, which I wish I would have learned a lot earlier in life because for a long time I was doing that with boyfriends. <laughs> I don't recommend that. <laughs> Do it with a tangible objects that are inanimate (laughs) writing I just already mentioned that but writing does bring me joy I like exploring the subconscious and psychology and seeing what makes people tick and what drives people uh my body I think for a really long time I didn't appreciate my body and we all have to regardless of whether or not you're happy with your body or what you think your body should be if it isn't your body is your ship it's your vehicle. It's what's getting you through this life. So we really we really need to respect our bodies and take care of it the same way we would take care of a car or our home. You know, our mode of transportation and our shelter are only as good as we continuously maintain them. So I think I've come to really appreciate the imperfections in my body and the things that I didn't used to like about them, like my very long arms, which you know what, come in handy when I'm trying to reach something no one else can in a tight space. Like, have you ever locked your keys in a car? I'm probably the girl you want to help reach them in that cup holder. Um, My closet. Some of these things are very superficial, but superficiality can be good and bad. Here's why my closet's important to me. I did spend a lot of stupid money when I was young on shoes and staple pieces and I beat myself up about it for a while especially when I first moved to the desert because I was like why do I have these I'm not wearing them anywhere who wears heels in the dirt (laughs) I do now most of my pieces are in storage so where I live I don't have a closet big enough for all my clothes but it's really cool because It's almost like I get to go shopping without spending any money. And all of a sudden, I see these pieces I haven't seen in so long. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I love this. It brings me joy. I remember when I wore this. I remember when I bought it. I know what this represents to me. I know what I want to wear this for. I do believe that clothing has great power. I mean, of course, any actor would understand this. Any woman would understand. A lot of people understand this. But for actors specifically, it's like clothes have the ability to transport you or transform you. And it is very helpful getting into character, especially if you're in a period piece. Clothing is very important. Also because of the history and the design element, which is very important to me. I'm not sure if you're really interested in this. I feel like getting to know somebody... 
is always like a little challenging because we have these standard questions we ask each other. And sometimes I feel like if you had somebody make a list of all the things that brought them joy and then they explained why it brought them joy to you, I think that that would be really interesting and a great way to get to know somebody. So hopefully this isn't too boring or self-indulgent. My car, here's why my car brings me joy. My car I purchased with money that my grandfather had given to me. He gave all six of his grandchildren um, $10,000 when he was – I'm sure he was trying to save money on taxes but he had he had an excess of money he needed to get rid of and so that was how my aunt and my father advised him to spend his money and so all of us were in our early 20s or younger at the time so it was a really good time for us to use for college or down payments for things which is what I used mine for to get this car it's really been my first and only car and it was my dream car as close to a dream car as you could get for $10,000. I really wanted a 65 Mustang convertible. I got one that was from 2007, but it's a Mustang convertible in the same color as the one that my dad had when we grew up. And now what that car represents to me that my grandfather has passed away is my connection to my grandpa. So every time I get in that vehicle, I think of him, which is very cool. My dog, my spouse, my family, my sister. I don't think I need to get into too much detail, but I will say that as you get older, you start to appreciate these kinds of relationships more, especially when you observe other relationships that make you really grateful for what was once taken for granted. For reasons you might understand, I'm not going to get too much into that specifically, but let's just say my relationship with my family is a lot better than it's ever been because I am more grateful for them. My home I think a lot of us are grateful for any kind of real estate we have considering what the economy is doing and what we fear it could do or might do and also just how hard it is to have housing and for people that don't own a home you know you could be just as grateful for having an apartment especially with what's going on with short-term rentals it's really really hard to find long-term rentals especially ones that you like especially ones that might be rent controlled especially ones with landlords that might be really good to you in ways that you're not really taking into account. They care for the building more than a lot would. Those are just ways, you know, applying it to your own life that you might be able to. Um, My upcoming wedding, I got to tell you, I'm not a wedding person. But what has made me really excited about it is designing the wedding. That is the way I have found to get excited about a wedding. Why am I not excited about the wedding? Please recognize the difference in I'm excited for marriage. I'm not excited for a wedding. Um, I'm socially awkward. Big events and large groups of people overwhelm me, even people I know really well. I also, I really have this fear of people looking at me as I walk down the aisle. I don't want anyone fucking looking at me. (laughs) I, I thought that that was like a really weird thing. But then I think I heard two people on some reality show different ones echo that sentiment so it made me feel really good uh the fact that I watch reality tv shows does not make me feel good but it is what it is 
dance. Dance makes me feel really, really good. And and I'm actually going to get into this in a second more in depth. So we'll skip that one for now. When I said the desert as it is now, I, I really do like the desert the way it is now. It is a very beautiful artistic community where there is a ton of space and medicinal healing going on. It's a small town. People know one another. They help each other. Things are relatively more affordable than they would be in surrounding towns. I am fearful that all of that is going to change. It already started to and it's happening at a very, very rapid rate, which I'm not stoked about. So I'm trying to enjoy it, especially in these moments where things are a little more rocky. I'm trying to appreciate the other things that kind of counterbalance that, that are more uplifting and and lovely that, you know, we could lose in the next few years. I love that I am close to Los Angeles. It is just a two and a half hour drive for me. So it could be worse. I would have to fly into LA or be way further away from my friends and my old community than I am now. And then of course we already talked about freedom and time. So let's talk about a couple points that I wanted to make which I think is pretty obvious at this point, you must use your grief, your mourning, your sadness as a catalyst to move forward in a positive direction. A lot of times we want to shun those feelings. We want to wish them over earlier than the grace of God or whomever will allow. And that's because these are moments that that we need and we need them for as long as they are bestowed upon us because that's how long it takes for us to move through the process to get us from point A to B so that we can start the next chapter. And I think that's just something we need to do is we need to actually be grateful for these harder times, as hard as that is. It is so difficult to do. And along those same lines, you don't have to do it right away. You know, you you take it a day at a time. You take it as it comes. And as you move through it, you will get to that point where you start to realize, okay, these are the things that have happened to me. I've accepted it. Now I'm going to utilize them in a way that's beneficial and thank them for happening for me to learn or become aware of these things or do better in the future. Part of moving forward is going towards what's attractive to us, not obligatory. So I read you this list. The first thing that I would tell you to do if you're feeling down or sad or whatever, or you're longing or feeling lonely or reminiscent about something, and it really does have a grasp on you, start by making a list of the things that you miss. Understand why you miss them and identify what about those moments brought you joy so that you can go after them in the future. And then go towards those things. Those are the things that I'm referring to that are attractive to us. Those are the things that fill us up, in other words, or make us feel good and happy. Don't do the things that are obligatory. So now I'm going to talk about dance a little bit. I started taking these classes. I really truthfully did not want to go. It was an inconvenient time for me to go. Financially, it didn't make sense with everything we have going on. But in my head, I thought, This is an opportunity I should say yes to. It might end up being exactly what I need to build a community, to give me what's been missing, to move my body, which exercise we all know in and of itself just sets you up for joy because it produces endorphins. So I thought in the very least, at least I'll be producing endorphins. And if I don't like it, I just won't enroll for the next session. So I kept going to class and the long and short of it is I just didn't feel joy from it. I didn't. It wasn't giving me what I needed. 
It wasn't stimulating to me in any way, shape, or form. Literally, in any way, shape, or form. I wasn't clicking with the people in the class. I wasn't clicking with the class, the dynamic, the setup, the curriculum, the way it was run. I, I, I had a problem with all of it. And I still went. And about halfway through the session, I finally said to myself, and this was a huge turning point for me, I was like, why am I going? And what I realized is I was going because I paid for it. And if I pay for something, I'm going to get the most out of my money. But what I realized is what I spent the money on was a couple sessions, an experience, awareness, and information. I got information. I learned something about myself. And the biggest thing that I learned is stop doing things out of financial obligation. If you're not enjoying the class, who cares if you already paid for it? Stop going. Because at this point, it's annoying that you paid for it, but it's more annoying that you're going every week to something that you don't enjoy. This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. When you could be spending those two hours doing something that you do enjoy. So, so I had this epiphany and I was like, it might sound so stupid to some of you who've already learned this lesson. I didn't. But the minute I decided I wasn't going to go, I spent the day doing something that I really loved. And then all of a sudden, I felt so empowered. I felt so free, which was another item on my list which gave me more joy, but it was really because I overcame this barrier and this burden I've had my whole life of feeling like a slave to money. And it was like, I finally said, fuck it. And I bit the bullet and I, it ended up being so, so wonderful for me. And it brought me so much joy because I was so proud of myself on top of feeling better about the way I was delegating my time. So go toward what's attractive to you and don't do things that are obligatory unless they're as obligatory as they are joy-filled. So you could argue I did that with the class until the, the scales tipped. Or if, you know, you want to spend time with a family member, but maybe you don't have as good of a relationship with them as you would like and there's other things that you'd rather do but you also do still want to spend time with them because time is of the essence you don't have that much maybe they're in town for a short period of time just find the middle ground and find the balance to where you're doing what you're doing to make you happy and feel the most joy-filled because Look, a lot of times we get invited to things that I don't want to do, again, because of my social anxiety, because of responsibilities. I feel like it's irresponsible to go spend time doing that when we have these other priorities and deadlines. But there is an element of attraction that I feel to that invite that is enough for me to go. And look, I go for as long as I want to go and then I leave. I don't feel obligated to stay longer or for more time than I need to or want to. So that's really what I'm talking about. Then we need to recognize when we have the negativity and the absence of positivity so that we can curate that positivity. So one of my favorite examples and stories that I like to share because it was so successful and this was so long ago, I realized that my family who, you know, we've always really had to be aware of our finances and make economically savvy decisions, we 
didn't spend a lot of time flying back to the Midwest to see our extended family. And often the only times we would is if we had a funeral or a wake to go to. And then when we would go, we'd be spending all this money. Ultimately, this is going to sound terrible at first, but hopefully you understand what I'm saying. Ultimately, because we felt guilty and we felt obligated to go. We wanted to pay our respects and say say goodbye to a person we're never going to see again. And then we'd try to cram in all these other things while we were there. And it just, it, it was never fun. It was never seeing our extended family on good terms. It was, we'd always see everybody crying. And I finally said to my parents, we got invited to a wedding that was back in the Midwest. And we were like, oh, we can't afford it. None of us can swing it. It's not a good time. And I said, we need to treat this like it's a funeral, if not more so. The obligation to spend money to go spend time with people while they're here and alive in good times should be more of a priority than going to a wake or a funeral. When you really think about it, look, and I'm not not trying to say, you know, you shouldn't go pay your respects and say goodbye and be there for your family when they need you. You should. But if that is enough for you to dismiss your financial concerns, I think these big moments of celebration should be just as much, if not more so, of an incentive to kind of not worry about your financial restrictions as well. Because those are the memories that you want to cherish and have when those people are gone. And so my mom thought I had a point. And we all worked really, really hard to afford for all of us to go to this wedding. And we went to the wedding and I will be damned, our luck changed. I swear to you, the positivity started to beget more positivity. So the more we had these big familial celebrations, the more familial celebrations we continued to have. And the more we started to prioritize making sure that we were there in attendance. So we started going to my extended family's lake house. We started making more of an effort to get back home and see our family in the best of times as opposed to just in the worst of times. And guess what? It always worked out financially. We always found a way to make it work. And you will. I'm telling you, I have a friend that constantly has to remind me of this whenever I start to worry about money. As an actor, you never know when your next job or paycheck is coming. And he'd always say, you have to trust the universe. You have to trust that if you're making the right choices and you're going after joy, joy will continuously find you and you'll be caught up in this tornado of joy, if you will. That's not to say you won't touch down and have some destruction every now and again. You will. But We need to really cultivate positivity. And as much as we say we wallow in our sorrows, which to be honest with you, therapists encourage. They do. Like a child that needs to get all their emotions out in order to move past them. We need to do the same thing when it comes to joy. We need to really, that's why weddings are so wonderful. Everyone loves weddings. I'm going to make fun of myself. (laughs) I don't like weddings. I don't like going to them. And, and now as I'm talking, I'm like, I wonder if that's because I've become so accustomed to experiencing discontent. But the point is, I've learned that that was my cycle, right? That I was kind of caught in this woe is me. I'm always erring on the side of caution and expecting things to go wrong and thinking about what I don't have. And so that often cultivated that life for me because I was cultivating it for myself. That's all I was focusing on. 
So if we can discover what brings us joy and makes us happy and what makes us feel fulfilled, we can rest assured that just as it happens when we're sad and we're always like, oh, of course this would happen to me, Murphy's Law, whatever can go wrong will go wrong. If we're going to subscribe to that ideology and that thinking then we also have to believe and subscribe to well everything can go right things can go smoothly I do deserve good things good things do always happen to me if we're gonna believe one we can believe the other we have to (laughs) otherwise you can't believe in any of it but I think one of the biggest things that we have to really focus on implementing aside from just identifying when we're not feeling joy what does bring us joy and how to go after the things that bring us joy is making the time for joy that's really I would argue the biggest right because when you have bills to pay you have deadlines you have meetings you have to show up for You have to do those things. That's a different kind of obligation. There are very serious consequences that can happen if we fail to adult properly and prioritize properly and financially plan properly. All I'm saying is we have to make joy a priority enough to make sure that we're implementing it as a practice to where it's part of our routine. And it doesn't have to be things that take up too much of your time or that cost money or that are difficult to do. One of the things that I have discovered that brings me joy is stretching every morning. It takes about 25 minutes and there are mornings where I'm like, oh, I just want to get to my day already, which was today. But what ended up happening was I just make myself do it and I trick myself. I'm like, you're just going to do it for five minutes. Just stretch your neck, just stretch your back. Because it always turns into more because it feels so good that I want to keep going. And then I stop and then I'm in a good headspace. And I swear to you guys, every morning that I don't do this is the days that bad things happen or things go askew. And every day that I do do it, things are better. Are they really better? Maybe not. But my headspace is better at the start of the day so they don't have as much of a hold of me. And then when they do happen, I'm like, okay, how am I going to curtail this? How am I going to, again, balance the scales? This bad thing happen? What am I going to do that brings me joy? For instance, yesterday, the air conditioner went out at one of our rental properties. It's the summer in the desert. I don't want unhappy guests. I have to tell you, these guests were fucking amazing. They're from St. Louis. They're Midwesterners, just further proof that Midwesterners are the best. Anybody would have been so annoyed that the air conditioning went out at a place they're paying to be at in the summer in the desert. These people could not have been more patient and understanding and kind. And I was super stressed trying to make sure they were comfortable because if I was in their position, I would not be happy. And so I was operating from that place. I just want to make them happy. So I'm running around doing all of these things to get things repaired And you know what? We had a neighbor that helped us fix it because he works in HVAC. We had really great guests because we're great to our guests. We're great to our neighbors. The community came together to help me because of the foundation I laid previously. But by the end of the day, I was still feeling really stressed out. So I went and I looked at puppies and it just made me feel really good. And then I came back home and I was in a better space to handle the repairs once they started to actually take place so it went from okay here's the problem I was trying to set people up they couldn't get there till six I went and looked at puppies and then at six o'clock I came back and I was way more chill and then I I went as far as like cleaning the hot tub and doing a little landscaping for them in the backyard and just doing these things because I had filled my cup up after feeling like 
you know, I'd, I'd burned out so quickly from panicking and trying to fix and correct the situation. Along those lines, positive attitudes equal and produce positive outcomes. And I think that that's really what happened yesterday. So that's kind of two points I wanted to make. Finding the balance of when things go wrong to feel good again, but also being able to rely on people like my neighbor to help me in a jam, in a pinch, because I'm so positive or I was so positive in the past and he was so positive in the past that people know when you need them, they'll show up. They'll be there for you. And we have to constantly choose joy. I'm not saying all the time. Whenever things go wrong, I am the first person that's like, be angry. Feel that anger. Let that rage move through you. Use it to whatever it gives you. For me, it gives me motivation. I operate very well out of spite. That spite sort of loses its steam as I'm going through the process and no one else ever sees it, but it's a really, really great motivator for me. So maybe that's the same for you, but ultimately then I choose joy and I try to spread joy. And the days when I don't feel very joyful, I maybe don't go out because I don't want to spread negativity because that will just attract it towards me. It's all about this awareness of being balanced and how to use this almost attitudes as currency, if you will. The biggest thing I want to leave you with is when we are feeling down and it feels never ending, trust that the joy will come again. Because if we're focusing on joy in the littlest of ways, like I said, stretching every morning, you're constantly in tune with the backbone of that. And so all the vertebrae that kind of come off of it, you're paying attention to and you feel and you notice. You notice the small things and they're just constantly steadily filling up your cup. And then one day all of a sudden it feels like things click. And for me, it just so happened that that was mostly yesterday, believe it or not, because remember yesterday is when I had the big AC issue, and today. A lot of things have been going very, very smoothly, and not just in my life, but in my family's life. My parents called me with very exciting news today, and I told them I have very exciting news, and I might be getting another puppy as my news. And it kind of came out of nowhere. My neighbor tipped me off to someone having a Cavalier and Anyone who has Cavaliers knows that once you go Cav, you never go back. But they're also very hard to find. So when the opportunity comes up to get one, I'm hard-pressed to say no. But what is interesting is I went and saw the puppies yesterday. And my parents may have found a house. And the house that they found is very reminiscent of the house that they had when I first got Murphy. And so in a weird way, it feels like a new chapter that's really familiar but it's sort of like I hesitate to say this because Murphy was the perfect dog so it's not applicable to him when I say what I'm about to say but it's almost like the new and improved chapter we've learned from our mistakes we're making wiser decisions we're correcting our missteps in the past to move towards a better tomorrow and in doing it we have a better attitude we have more trust in the universe and how it's working in our favor and we have more confidence that everything is going to be okay no matter how bad or ugly it gets because it's gotten so bad and ugly in the past and we've always triumphed we do we always triumph in the grand scheme of things so the things I'm going to leave you with use grief as a catalyst to move forward Go towards what's attractive to us, not obligatory. Recognize negativity and the absence of positivity when it happens and then curate that positivity. 
Joy begets joy. Make time for joy. Spread joy. Choose joy. Accept your sadness and trust that joy will one day come again. I really would love for you guys to sit down and make a list. And if you're not feeling particularly mournful, you don't have to be sad to want to seek out joy. But write down the things that bring you joy. The little things. Because I think those are the more moving instances. And explore why they bring you joy. Because it's a lot easier than to find out how to create new memories that will bring you joy as well. That's what I got to leave you with. So... Thank you guys for listening. Remember to share, like, subscribe, rate, review. Follow me on Instagram. I'm at the Rachel Melvin, and we will be back with another new episode probably in another week or two. They might start getting a little more spread out as we get closer to our wedding here and some deadlines that we need to hit. But this is one I've been wanting to record for a really long time. I hope it helps you. I hope all these episodes help you. If they do, please let me know. That feedback is very important to me. And consistency is key. Stay bitchy, my friends, and we'll see you next time. How Bitches Are Made is written and produced by Rachel Melvin. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.